get cancelled here often. Welcome to Do You Get Cancelled Here Often, a table read podcast that gives the green light to TV shows that never made it to air. I'm your host, Margot Poupard. Welcome also to the first episode. Yay! Woo! Whoop, 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 whoop! Awesome. You might be asking yourself right about now, what the fuck is a table read podcast that gives the green light to TV shows that I've never fucking heard about? Well, so glad you asked. I hope you're sitting down. If not, I mean, this news isn't terribly shocking, but, you know, I said at the top, I'm Margot. We're here to talk about TV shows that you've never heard about, and not like TV shows that get produced during pilot season where it's only one episode and then it gets canceled and we never see those. And although that sounds really cool and fun, that podcast is called Dead Pilot Society. So go check that out if you're into just pilots. This is more about TV shows that were greenlit. Probably the whole first season was written. Well, not probably. The whole first season was written. Multiple episodes were shot. Uh, promotional pictures were taken, like those cheesy, like, they did upfronts. They had cheesy, I was going to say mall photos, but that's not really what I meant. But like cheesy promo photos were done. A time slot on the schedule. I don't know, interviews with the Hollywood Reporter, the whole nine. And then suddenly, gone. What happened to those shows? This podcast answers that question. Every week, I give a writer a premise of a canceled TV show that was RIP gone too soon, pour one out. And they pick any old episode, well, they make up any old episode of this would-be season of this canceled TV show, and then I get a bunch of actors to read it out loud. So that TV show gets to have its sort of second life for just a day, like one of those like terrible Nicholas Sparks book, like what would you do if you only had one day to be a TV show? That's what's going to happen on Do You Get Cancelled here often, and the first episode that's going to kick us off is the 2015 reboot of Coach. You might remember Coach as that wildly successful sitcom starring that old, I don't know, so-and-so. Like, what do we call Craig T. Nelson? Like, I feel like if I hit him right now, it, like, it would hurt and I'd feel bad. But anyway, this show ran for forever. And by forever, I mean 200 episodes, which is huge, from 89 to 97. And it followed the ins and outs of Hayden Fox. He works at the Minnesota State University for the Screaming Eagles. Um, and NBC decided in 2015 that'd be a really good idea to just order 13 episodes. Green light it. Let's just do it. Let's get old coach back in here. Let's get young coach in here. We're going to bring back most of the series stars and cast, with the exception of Shelley Fabres, who was battling ooh, an autoimmune disease. So, you know our thoughts are with her, um, but her role as Christine, as Hayden's wife, would be written as she was dead. So, Erin, is her name Erin Foster? Erin For Whatever. The woman who played Kevin James's wife on Kevin Can Wait, who got killed off just way too soon in the first season. There was a precedent. Um, so, yes, they shot about five or six episodes. I got conflicting confirmation on how many episodes were shot, but enough to where when they screened the episodes for an audience, they got mixed results and that must have made somebody nervous because they canceled it. But good news is that Frankie Griffin, our writer today, is a huge Coach fan, and I think he really did this 2015 reboot in 2017 justice. So the way this is sort of going to go, since again, first episode, so I should explain the format a little bit, we're going to read probably about 15 to 20 pages or so, and then we're going to take a break with the writer, Frankie Griffin. You're going to get to hear more about him and his background and his experience with Coach and what sort of inspired his episode because he does bring it into 2017 and in, I think a really good way that is relevant to current events and without being too cloying which the way that sometimes sitcom cheese can sort of hammer home a bit and I think it would be a solid addition to the coach canon if that's a thing and then after the interview we're gonna hear the rest of the episode and then you're gonna hear from me again and then that's it you, you did it you listen to the whole first episode of do you get canceled here often so without further ado or more rambling from me because God knows it's good. I present to you the 2017 reboot of the 2015 reboot of Coach by Frankie Griffin, the pilot episode of Coach. Interior. Minneapolis Junior Community College. Coaching office. Day. The camera slowly pans across a trophy case full of memorabilia, a la the original show's opening credits. We hear someone whistling the show's original theme. 
we go past a wall-mounted photo of the original cast, and we see Craig T. Nelson, a.k.a. Hayden Fox, a.k.a. Old Coach, reading a newspaper at his desk. He's decked out in a Minneapolis Junior Community College jacket, polo, hat. You get the idea. There's a knock at the door. It's open. In comes Timothy David Fox, a.k.a. TD, a.k.a. Young Coach. All grown up, wearing middle management attire, carrying a messenger bag with a small lapel pin of the school's mascot, the fightin' walleyes. He closes the door behind him. Well, Pop, here we are. They hug, but not too long. Lots of shoulder pats. I knew we'd make it, TD. You did give me a ride here, after all. Young Coach rolls his eyes. (sighs) Nobody's called me TD in a year. Not since I quit coaching. Well, retirement doesn't sit well with us Fox boys. Clearly. That's your assistant head coach desk over there. Make yourself comfortable. I see your way ahead of me. Young coach sets down his messenger bag. Where's all your team gear? I thought I'd try to be a little more subtle. Professional. Son, that's just not how it's done. Doing things just because that's how it's done is what's killing football. I left football because I was tired of seeing young men exploited by greedy universities, throwing away their bodies to make some old rich sack of crap just a little bit richer, with the only path forward being the NFL, which just is a chance to throw away the rest of their bodies away for even richer men. That's one way to look at it. Just then, a tall, sturdy, half-Korean player, Jay Dauber Dubinsky, opens the door and pops his head in. He's really dumb. Nothing medically wrong, just dumb, like his father. Knock, knock, knock. Dauber, it's more effective if you actually knock. Oh, sorry, coach. Dauber? Dauber, this is my son, TD. TD, this is my old pal Dauber's son, Jay. But most people just call him Dauber. Yeah, like my dad. Dauber and young coach shake hands. That's convenient. Dauber's too injured to play this season, so I gave him the office assistant job. Like my dad. Isn't that a little weird, slipping into your father's shoes like that? You don't think that's the pot calling the kettle a hypocrite, young coach? Touche. In my defense, I only took this job because it- Your wife left you for your defensive coordinator and they took the house? Well, that's part- Because you had to move in with your retired father having no real job prospects? Pop, maybe a little more discreet about my failures. You wanted me to open up more. We've been bonding all morning. Sounds healthy. Anyway, everyone, there were many factors that brought me here. But the main one is that my dad here promised I could run this team as I saw fit. You said this would be my chance to start reforming football from the inside. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm head coach and title, but I'm too old, out of touch. I can't run a team day to day, but I've got wisdom. More coaching experience than Madden and the Gipper combined. Plus, I know how to deal with administrators. I wasn't lying. This is really a good chance for you. But as your wise old advisor, having some spirits better than having shiny shoes. We'll see. Now, what do you want to tell us? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Perfect. Thanks, Dauber. You got it. Dauber heads back out, leaving the door open. Young coach looks perplexed. That family's always had a real hard time with doors. Dissolve 2, opening credits. The theme song is an updated version of the show's old theme. It's been re-recorded by a full drumline. We pan over old coach's trophies and over news clippings of young coach stirring trouble by speaking out. We see young coach scrolling Tumblr. He turns to face the camera and smiles, quote, starring a young and non-threatening actor, end quote. We then see old coach at a unisex bathroom, befuddled. A girl goes in just as a guy walks out. Old Coach looks into the camera and shrugs as if to say, Oh, kids these days. Quote, and Craig T. Nelson, end quote. Dissolve to exterior Minneapolis JCC football field day. The ragtag fighting walleyes are assembled on the field. They obviously brought their own cleats, shorts, etc. And all the names on their jersey say default. No helmets, pads, or any real gear. The players are a bit more diverse than statistical reality. It's fiction, so let's roll with it. Mostly black and white, as in real life, but with a significant number of Native American, Latino, Asian, and Pacific Islander players. 
We only meet a handful in this episode. The rest are left unnamed for possible expansion later on in the season because I have a keen understanding of network television. Anyway, Dalbert's standing by a couple of equipment crates. Our two coaches are walking towards them out from the football building. Did you recruit these guys yourself, Pop? Yep. They make their way in front of the group. Who are you guys? Young coach looks to his dad. Not all of them. You guys coaches, maybe? Yeah, they must be. Young coach frowns real hard at his dad. I may have put out an open call and left a pile of jerseys in the locker room. Way to shake up the paradigm. Uh, hello? I'm coach Timothy David Fox, and this is my father, Coach Hayden Fox. You're both coach? I'm technically head coach, but my son here will be the hands-on part of the staff. He's more of a wise and old veteran type. Got it. Well, I've started calling him young coach and old coach. Well, it... Dauber points to old coach. That one's old coach. Thanks for clarifying. We can just... I like it. No room for confusion. Good work, Dauber. Thanks. The players look confused. All right. uh, Young coach it is. Now, I want to be upfront about this. I don't plan on running the walleyes like a normal college football team. The players look confused. There are a lot of problems with college football. It's exploitative, dangerous. It's also fun, though. Well, that's... Good point. What's your name? Guillermo. Oh, and it's good exercise. And also, the only way for most of us to get a chance at a college education. Right on. Tommy. Kind of sounds like you don't like football, young coach. Why are you a coach? No, I, I, I don't hate football. I love football. I'm just disappointed by football. Plus, his wife left him, and he had to move back in with me, and we both needed something to do. Oh, good. Passion for the game. Um, I'm Carl, and I'm wondering what young coach was going to say back before we found out his life was sad. Thank you, Carl. Guillermo socks Carl in the shoulder. Kiss ass. Young coach socks old coach in the shoulder. What I was saying is that I want this team to be your team. Not a tool for the school's enrichment. Not... A trophy for alumni pride. I I don't want you to throw your bodies away, to sacrifice your chance at an education on the altar of sports. I want your time here at Minneapolis Junior Community College to be enjoyable and useful. Is that why we don't have helmets? To keep our bodies safe? The players chuckle. You don't have helmets or pads because you don't need them. Yet, I'm going to train you like a rugby team. Less gear, that means you feel the hits. You can't take as much punishment, and it means a different tackling style. You lead with the shoulder instead of the head. Rugby style? I don't think we can afford that much beer. The players chuckle and hoot for beer. Young coach frowns at old coach, who rolls his eyes. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Settle down. Especially the underage players. The 19- and 20-year-olds look at their feet and murmur. Look, uh, it's all logical, okay? You guys like logic, right? There's a theory called risk compensation. It holds that, essentially, when rules or equipment make a risky activity safer, participants in that activity tend to take more risks. The players obviously don't know what he's talking about. They compensate for the safety with recklessness. The best documented case is with driving. Safer cars, seatbelts, airbags, all that good stuff. It makes people drive faster with less caution because they feel safer when they do it. And so the safety equipment doesn't really bring down the tragedy because humans seem to careen toward death as much as possible. I gotta start walking more. Young coach turns, wanting to correct so many things, but bites his tongue and turns back to the players. Do you get what I'm saying? You want football to feel more dangerous? Close, close. Football is dangerous, helmets or no. But why would I want you to feel the danger? Because you hate football and want us to also hate football? No, listen. When you're not wearing body armor, you can't just launch your body at an oncoming ball carrier. In a perfect rugby tackle, you work smart, not hard. You hit low with your shoulder and wrap your legs. You're bringing them down instead of knocking them down. Like the Adats in Empire Strikes Back? Everyone turns to Dauber, surprised. Lucid reference, Dauber. Ah! Open those crates, would you? He does. Inside one are scrum caps, thin rugby headgear meant mostly to prevent cauliflower ear and cups, the things that protect your balls. Inside the other are sets of football gear. We start with the rugby gear. 
Once I'm sure you guys know how to play smart, we'll put you in football gear so you get used to moving in it. I'm a little worried about getting hurt, Coach. These little hats are just little hats. How are we supposed to play if we feel unsafe and scared? Yes, this sport's very risky. The players grumble nervously. Way to inspire. Guys, you gotta trust me. This will lead to safer football for all of you, okay? You guys on board with the rugby training? We don't really have much choice, do we? Isn't this supposed to be our team for our benefit? Can we vote no on not using helmets? Young coach looks flustered. Well, it... You guys, you guys gotta trust me, okay? <laughs> this is for your own good. Carl shakes his head. Weird football's better than no football, I guess. He grabs a scrum cap. Others follow suit. I'll take it. Now let's get you in pairs. Dissolve to exterior coach home establishing night. The lights are on and we can hear muffled sounds of sports center. Cut to interior coach home night. Our coaches are on Lazy Boys watching TV with TV dinners. Old coach's chair is a little ratty and he clearly brought a new chair for young coach because sitcom pilots are not about being subtle. Insert TV. David Lloyd and Darren Woodson sit opposite debating. Audio on this fades up when we cut to it and back down under the dialogue when we cut away. Well, no, David. I don't think it's just legal strategy. His lawyers are claiming that CTE has led to this violent behavior because that's what CTE does. And the NFL should have to pay for it? They paid him to take the hits, didn't they? So why? Cut back to coaches. See? That's what I want to avoid. I don't want any of the walleyes to ever be in that position. It shouldn't be a debate. Of course the NFL should take responsibility for that man's brain. Oh, come on, TD. He knew the risk. He played for- He knew the risks? Is that what you'd say if one of your old players wound up on the news? In court or, or worse because of brain injuries he suffered on the field? Old coach grimaces. No. If any of them did wind up in the news, Pop, I wouldn't blame you. Back when you coached, the signs hadn't come out yet. I know you didn't know how dangerous things were, and I don't want you to think I'm harboring some kind of weird resentment or shame. Well, that's good, because your sister's got enough resentment for the both of you. Young coach rolls his eyes. Old coach gets up to toss out his empty dinner tray in the kitchen. You should have just let her date that professor, Pop. Absolutely not. You know, he went on to become very rich. He could have retired to a mansion. Obviously, I couldn't stand retirement anyway. He comes back, carrying two snifters of scotch in the bottle. He hands a glass to young coach and sits back down. True. Speaking of, I, I wanted to talk to you about how our first day went. We might need more scotch. I felt like you undermined me a lot out there. Rolling your eyes, encouraging nonsense. Oh, you're being too stiff. You scared the crap out of those boys and didn't offer anything to balance it out. You were like a dictator out there. I want to do things my way, like you said I could. You can, but you gotta have a little more finesse. You and I need to be a team, so that team can be a team. And you need to show more respect for my methods, or the players won't respect my methods. Well, the players don't respect you because it seems like you don't respect football. You sound like a safety consultant, not a coach. I guess I'm trying to be both. Old coach sets his glass down. You can't blame yourself for what happened to Pete. Why not? His family did. It was a fluke. Total accident. If he hadn't been such a big hitter, if I'd showed them how to protect their necks better... It wouldn't have changed a damn thing. It was an accident. The worst kind of luck. Like what happened to Joe Theismann. Yeah, except Pete's stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Old coach gets up and pours young coach another two fingers of scotch. Contact sports are dangerous. They're not healthy. Even rugby players can get CTE. I got a chance to sit down with Daniel Bryan, who retired prematurely from wrestling due to brain injury. But for some of those boys, it's the only clear way out of whatever they're running from. Pete probably would have died in some trailer park if he hadn't found football. And I'm pretty sure most of them like playing it. So you've got to help them out in a way they can understand. And you have to let them play football and enjoy it. Don't talk down to them about risk compensation. Don't lecture them about the brain. I'll scrap tomorrow's PowerPoint then. You gotta be a coach first. 
Safety guy second. You gotta win their confidence. How do I do that after blowing the first day? Old coach grins. Cut to exterior MJCC football field day. Young coach takes a solid hit from Tommy Kelly, who leads with his shoulder, wraps the knees, and pulls him down. Young coach is wearing a scrum cap, jersey, mouth guard, and you get the idea. Just like the other players, Tommy helps him up and brushes off some grass. Then, young coach pulls his mouth guard out to address the other players watching the demonstration. Good hit. Thank you. Did everyone see that? He didn't need to slam into me or try to knock my block off. How'd it feel, Tommy? Felt kind of like an angry hug. An angry, effective hug. Exactly. And nobody gets their wits scrambled. See? Any questions? Several players raise their hand. Guillermo? Is this your way of trying to reset a relationship, young coach? Showing that you're not as above the game as we initially thought while also demonstrating that you're willing to take the risk alongside us? Slick stuff, young coach. Perceptive bunch. I have to admit, even though it's so blatant, I do feel less weird about this team than I did yesterday. Boys, I'm sorry I got things off on the wrong foot. I, I just take my responsibilities seriously, and I don't want to see anyone get hurt. Something bad happened on your last team? Young coach opens his mouth to speak, then shuts it, then reconsiders. A a guy... Excuse me, fellas. The fellas turn, and we see Jess Watkins, a young black woman the same age as young coach, waving faux daintily as she walks onto the field. She's dressed much like old coach, except she's got the gear from St. Prince du Minitonque, the big French Catholic private university across town. Old coach is beaming. She gives him a big hug. Good to see you, kid. Thanks for coming. How could I pass up a chance to perpetuate the vicious cycle of rivalry to a new generation? Fellas, this is Jess Watkins, head coach of the football team over at St. Prince du Minnetonka. Her mother Judy and I used to get up to some pretty great pranks back in the day. She loves to tell that riverboat story. So does my dad. Old coach nearly lost his life savings on a boat, on a river. The players murmur excitedly. A riverboat? Wait, you're... They have a women's team? Jess raises her eyebrow. Your old man said you were more progressive than that, TD. Young coach blushes. I just... um. They've got one team, and it's mixed. Our whole special teams crew is female, plus Jenda Hendricks, a particularly fast wide receiver. Sounds like the kind of gals I'd like to date. I'm not sure you've got the stamina, lover boy. The players do like a, oh, burn, suck it, Zaragoza, etc. Well, what brings you out of here, Coach Watkins? She rubs her hands together excitedly. Old coach over there. How'd she guess his nickname? Told me you were employing some pretty unorthodox methods and that your players were a classic bunch of ragtag goofballs. The background players shrug and nod. True, can't argue with that. I was a little giant. So, I thought, why not a little scrimmage? My unorthodox team versus yours. We'll see who does better, and as a side benefit, we'll prove to my nagging alumni that non-traditional football is every bit as exciting as the mainstream stuff. What do you say, coach? The players look expectantly to young coach. Carl gives a thumbs up. Young coach walks over to Jess and shakes her hand. You're on. My fine walleyes versus your purple ones in an exhibition match of weirdo football? The players cheer. Now, if you would, please go finish catching up with my dad in the office. No fair getting a peek at our drills. Who says I didn't plan a camera on Duber Jr.? Dauber panics. Where? In my brain? Chuckles all around. Jess puts her arm around old coach's shoulders, and they head off field as young coach reorganizes the team for some drills. And now I'd like to welcome to the podcast writer of this episode, Frankie Griffin. He is a comedy performer and actor and writer, and he is part of the improv group Narcissus Anonymous and was part of the sketch group Killing My Lobster. Welcome, Frankie Griffin! Hello. Thanks, Margo. How's it going? What a nice intro. I try. I try. I want to make it nice for you because you wrote an entire episode of a TV show that doesn't technically exist for free. So, you know, you got to treat them nice. You got to butter them up, right? (laughs) Uh, It's it's comedy. Everything's on spec. It's fine. Yeah. You know, we've uh, 
we've worked together often enough that I feel like we always do favors for each other. Uh, this might be a little bit more of an involved favor than I've ever asked, but that's all right. I think you're doing me a favor, really, and 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 letting me put. You think uh, so? Yeah, because um, you're you're giving me something cool to write and then bringing it to life. I consider that a favor because I've written so many things that no one will ever read aloud <laughs> on a podcast, much less read in their head by themselves. So. I think this is great. I think you really should do a dramatic reading of your medium piece, the Mercave one, because I feel like that needs like some weight to it. Oh, um, I am. Um, I, 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 I have adapted that into a stage script, and I will be uh, workshopping that around LA soon. So, oh, nice. Yeah, that that one is is coming to life. Uh, I'm that, so excited. Just that one. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about your background in comedy. What? So I know that you've done a lot of improv, uh, but you're also incredibly educated. So what sort of like brought you into the comedy world? Well, you know, when I was a little kid, um, I did, I did summer musicals uh, through through the Parks and Rec program in Manteca. They had a a theater like it, it was like sports, 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 arts and crafts, arts and crafts, and then one little theater thing. And my mom wanted to keep us busy over the summer in a way that was productive so she put, she shoved us into the theater and and when I was like 10 I learned how to put on my own blush and like wear tights which was that that was a very interesting time like developmentally to learn that but I you know I, I got hooked on the applause and I like went into band and I thought that I wanted to be a comedian but you know this was the mid 90s so it it, it, it was very impractical like there was no real way, like to be in comedy seemed like a, an insane thing to, like try to do. So I switched to my second love, history. I I was on track to be a history professor. I have two and a half college degrees in history uh, of medicine, um, but when I was getting my master's at SF State, um, I went to a, a pretty rough improv show by the college club and, and I signed up and joined where uh, our mutual friend Kaina was in the club that's how I met Kaina was in that improv club and I, I fell back in love with performing and doing comedy and when I was working on my doctorate I like, did the math and realized that um, the job prospects were equally poor and that I didn't want to go to Iowa and teach you know western civ to a bunch of people who didn't care about it so I quit the doctorate to focus on comedy, and now I'm in L.A. trying desperately to do anything. I think you're doing just fine. You've got, you've joined a couple of improv groups up on stage. You've, like, performed at PAC. You're doing... Um, I have. You're, I want to say Second City, but I know that's wrong because I'm just a terrible person. Uh, you're doing UCB comedy. I did a show at Second City. Oh, you did? I am doing UCB classes, but I did do a show at Second City. I think, yeah, I... I'm being overly modest. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Now. Yeah, you're doing just fine. Um, it's kind of a depressing stat to hear, though, that your prospects in comedy are just about on par with, you know, teaching in college, like, except you get to live in a major metropolitan oh, yeah. city instead of the middle of Iowa. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the fucking greedy assholes who run colleges are killing tenure as fast as they can. So the 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 jobs in the university are pretty rough, and this part of my grudge against univer against academia, which is I hope palpable in the script, is from my experience in 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 academia because I, I was in student government at two of my three institutions, so I had to work closely with the administration. And I saw behind the curtain and how uh, disgusting it was personally. Yeah, I definitely, it really did come through in your script. I was like, where did all of this, like, uh, angst against the yeah. college system come from? But um, that actually brings me to my next question, yeah. which is, so I know that you have some, ex you grew up watching Coach, but I wanted to know if you actually had a favorite sport or a favorite football team. Well, so um, I did play rugby, actually, for two seasons at SF State um, and, like, learned all the all the stuff about tackling and, and, you know, so, and learned like how to tackle properly. I only got one concussion while I was playing, which, which, and I never broke anything. So like I was an outlier and I only got a concussion because I took a knee to the face. Oh, <laughs> it damn. Like, wasn't a normal thing. Like some, some, someone's like charging forward and I like tackled wrong, took it to the face and like my like head turned like 90 degrees. Like 
the same kind of like rotational force that you get from like a really hard boxing punch. That's what I took. But the tackling really, like if you just wrap, it's fairly gentle, except like on your shoulders. But like you don't really do any head injury stuff unless you go crazy. Um, But I used to love football until like, uh, you know, two or three years ago, I just, I, I couldn't keep watching people throw their lives away to make the owners rich. Like it, it just started being too uncomfortable um, compared to how much entertainment it was giving. Like it, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit through it anymore because every time I watched like a really rough tackle, I could just see the years coming off that player's life. You know, it was really, like, it's, it was not fun anymore. It's always interesting to like watch the Super Bowl with a group of people, and when you see someone take a hard tackle, everyone in the room's like, oh, but yet everybody keeps watching. And I don't think that you're alone in yeah, finding like, it harder and harder to watch these, I mean, wildly rich men, but still are people, like, get these horrible, irreversible concussions and just completely throw their body away, like, at... The the idea yeah. of being completely done at 32, like, you're regarded as brave for being on the field after a certain age that is still shockingly young. Yeah. I, I, like, never could get my head around it. And I watch Hard Knocks, and so I really get to see the, like, creepy rich owners oh, kind of come in and like the way that they look at the players sometimes you're just like i don't like this at all no i i i think south um south park did like one of the like definitive takes on college football and how the owners treat the players at at the college level like there's an there's an episode where cartman starts up like a like i think it's the crack baby athletic association but he like visits this like university like admin dressed dressed as like a plant like a southern plantation guy and asked like now how do you get away with uh, how you treat your uh, quote unquote players there like and it's it's like <laughs> it's it's an excellent takedown of that whole thing and as always shockingly accurate because it's South Park and they just sort of have this perspective on things that you're yeah. like oh yeah no you just articulated it in a way that is spot on yeah and then. <laughs> It, it was funny because, and then I I had to try to not make the same point in my script. I was like, okay, South Park did it amazingly, so I don't want to compare to it. How else can I attack the problem of college football? I thought you probably you struck a really good balance of keeping the sitcominess of Coach, but also trying to bring it into what's currently happening without it seeming too sitcommy or too like preachy. Um, I mean, you were talking about oh, thank you. rugby tackles, and I think, I forget which player had the yeah. line, but it's like, that felt like a really angry hug. That made me laugh, like, three the all three times that I read your script. I was like, this is hysterical <laughs> for some reason, but it makes a lot of sense. Because oh, wow. you might be able to, like, lose a tooth in rugby, because that's been my personal experience with friends that have been a part of rugby teams. Like, they always have, like, missing teeth or, like, broken fingers, but never, like, too insane on the concussion side. It's yeah. always just kind of, like, cosmetic injuries, for lack of a better term, which is probably better than having your brain scrambled it it is and you know this was an idea that i had for the script um just like when i like thought of like what i should do and then i did some research and the nfl is actually doing that so more and more teams are actually teaching their players to tackle more like rugby style so more like low slow and wrapping instead of the like because like you know i've seen players like, like launch themselves like a missile but so this this is a real thing that the NFL is actually doing that was started at the collegiate level. So they're actually trying it. And I, I want to make sure that people don't think that rugby is super safe. There's an incredibly upsetting interview of a rugby player who's had a, who's had some concussions who like blanks out in the middle of the interview as he's talking about CTE. So there is a risk, but it's less risky to play like rugby than it is to play like uh, American football. Uh, yeah, I think you also address it in your script really well about, I think it's like risk assessment. Like when yeah. you feel more comfortable taking a risk, doing something, you'll throw your entire body into it. Or the great analogy that you also make of like, now that cars are safer, people are still speeding and driving drunk and having having seatbelts and having airbags doesn't necessarily protect you from human error, essentially. Right. Like we're we're just so insane as a species that... When we make stuff safer, we're like, no, I can, I can fix this and make it dangerous again. I bet I can do that. 
So you got the choice between I gave you Captain America because we were on a sketch show together uh, yeah. about nerd shit, and you have encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of nerd shit. Um, <laughs> uh, to the point that you well actually a lot of people during those writers meetings but um, between Captain America and Coach what made you pick Coach over Captain America was it the Nazis was that why well <laughs> no I mean I would have loved to write a script where Captain America is just trashing actual Nazis because they they never seem to want to let him actually fight Nazis it has to be like um, actually, it's Hydra. They're kind of like Nazis, but not really. Like, it's weird. But, I mean, so, like, I've been reading... Like, my dad is such an OG comic book guy that my grandma threw his comics away when he was a kid. Like, he actually had that experience of, of a mother, like, being like, you can't read this garbage, and, like, throwing it in the trash. Oh, no. Um, so I, I, like, grew up, like, straight out of the womb. I was, I was watching and reading, well, I mean reading later but <laughs> watching and like looking at comic book stuff forever so like i i i've been a captain america fan for 31 years um but the current iteration of captain america like on film is so good that i mm. you know, i knew that whatever i wrote would just be compared to what they're they're doing and it, it would never be as good or as interesting and coach to me was a really interesting challenge because it's not just an episode of a show where you have to set everything up for that show it's a it's it's a soft reboot so you have to you have to reset everything from the original show and make a new show and that to me was a really juicy challenge because I've I've never tried to write anything like that so um, you know basically writing two pilots at once in one script was a really cool idea for me and it was also a chance to comment on reboots because I, I I think they're I I don't like reboots at all. So um, you may have noticed that like a lot of the stuff, especially in like the first couple scenes, is like commenting on reboots while while I reboot a show. <laughs> so what did you think when Coach first got announced for this revival? Because it was like kind of a big deal, especially since they greenlit. The entire series order so is supposed to be something like 23 episodes, like a regular season. And I, I mean, I, as evidenced yeah. by my feedback to you, I was like, Riverboat story. <laughs> and like, you're like, that's an actual plot line from the original show. Um, so I sort of had like, I didn't really have any sort of feelings. I was like, this seems kind of stupid, but I guess any story done well could probably win over an audience. As somebody that watched the OG I'm going to call it OG coach. Um, what did you think when you first read the news a couple of years ago? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we watched like a lot of sitcoms in my, we watched evening shade when I was a child. Like I was like, you know, five trying to understand these small town problems of the town of evening shade. I, I watched twin peaks with my parents at too young of an age. So I totally understand just watching random nighttime TV with your parents. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there. Failing to absorb what is happening was really what I was doing. Uh, but like, but Coach is such an insane, like, there's an episode of Coach where one of the main characters has to take care of a, like, a, someone's parrot and it gets, like, kidnapped and ransomed. What? Like, nothing to do with football. And not, and not in a way that's interesting, they were just out of ideas. Like, they clearly, like, after, like, season two, the writing room was just desperate to do anything. So they had stories like Coach gambles his life savings away um, to the ladies' basketball coach, or he takes care of a bird that gets kidnapped. Like, they, they were just doing insane stuff. And when when they, when they announced a reboot, I was like, what ideas could they have? Because they, they, they did, like, seven seasons of it and ran out really fast. So I don't know what they're rebooting other than putting Craig T. Nelson back on TV. That's what it felt like, was like, people were like, you know who's missed on the screen? Craig T. Nelson. What if we put him back in the exact same role, but just old? <laughs> that's, that's what it felt like. Well, that's why I love that you called him old coach throughout, because it felt very fitting, because that's exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. what you, how else could you receive that news other than being like, all right, they just want Craig T. Nelson doing the exact same thing, because no one likes change. Yeah. They're just gonna, he's coach, but he's old. And that's, that was the whole like stated premise of the reboot was um, it's coach, but he's old, and now his son is is coach. I'm like okay, so I, I just took that like 
I like made that the like slug line of 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 my script. <laughs> like, I, like I just okay if if that is true, what else is true? And just like ran <laughs> right from there. We're gonna bring back in the son of the sidekick. We're gonna bring back. We're just gonna bring yeah, back Dauber. everybody's kids and have them have jobs. Give them jobs and make them um, mixed race or just flat out people of color because the other show was just all white people and I was like I I wanna make this not just a bunch of white people talking about football. Yeah, that's also not reflective of a college experience unless you go to BU in Salt Lake City, which is just Mormons. <laughs> yeah. Well, but and then even at BYU, like half the football team is like Pack Islander because the Mormons like went crazy out there and like were really successful at at at, at converting Pack Islanders. So there's a huge Pack Islander contingent. And and uh, Asian too, I believe, <clears throat> at, at BYU. I just remember when they played basketball against the San Jose Spartans. I went to one of their games. I remember looking out into the crowd and just being like, "Wow, this is a lot of white blonde people," and that's coming from a white chick. Like it's just like there's, I don't like what I see. I feel like this is children of the corn. I feel uncomfortable. Like there needs to be some diversity somewhere. Yeah, especially in San Jose, like. Why is the San Jose team all white? What's happening? <laughs> How are they excluding everyone from San Jose <laughs> off of this team? So if you could reboot any old show, what show would you bring back from the dead? Oh, man. Um, okay, this is... I would probably bring back um, Andy Griffith. Really? Why? Well, you know, it was it was really sweet... Um, and like a really positive, like I'm a very cynical, negative person, but I think. What? No, you're not. <laughs> I don't know. I wrote a whole script about how evil college football is and how it kills young men for no money. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how positive that is. But um, it's nice to have like a, like a really positive escapist outlet. And there's not a lot of shows that really deal with like rural problems. In fact, rural shows used to dominate TV and then they were all killed off there's I, I can't remember the name for the event but they like all the major networks like canceled pretty much all of their like r- rural themed shows like at once so like Andy Griffith Green Acres Beverly Hillbillies like they, they were all like shut down like at, at the same time in a conscious move to make TV more urban to appeal to what they thought was an urban market so it would be really cool to have a show that can deal with modern rural problems, aka fentanyl and methamphetamine <laughs> and racism, but like in a way that's sweet and positive. Were Green Acres and Beverly Hillbillies and the Andy Griffith Show, were they all on the same channel? Were they all like on NBC or something? I think they were on different channels. I, I can't remember exactly what they were on because you know there's there's so like i saw them all on on tv land so i have no idea what they were first broadcast on (laughs) i was just curious if it was like maybe like a concerted effort on one network's part or if it was just sort of like a domino effect where like one got canceled and everybody else was sort of following a trend i think it was a concerted effort on the part of like i think all the networks did it together but i it it might have just been on one network, I can't remember, but it, it, it was definitely a conscious effort to kill off r- rural theme programming in favor of suburban and, and urban programming. You would have never had friends. Oh boy, and what a gift that was. Well, what are you watching right now that you really like? Besides Twin Peaks, I know that you're loving that reboot. Oh God, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm gonna finish out the season out of spite, so I so so I can write just one more medium piece about how terrible it is. Um, honestly, I don't watch a lot of TV TV right now. I, I watch mostly like web stuff. So like, there's a, there's an an interview show called Hot Ones um, from First We Feast, which is a like a, like a, a, a complex outlet where this dude uh, named Sean, who's an amazing interviewer, sits down with some kind of celebrity and they eat like this like board of like increasingly hotter hot wings and like through through the the celeb like being like you know like unwound by this insane hot sauce he gets like really honest uh present answers out of him that's that's an amazing show which is really entertaining i would love to be on that show someday um but the one like tv tv show that i do watch rick and morty 
Oh, I yeah. I fucking love Rick and Morty. I caught the the, the premiere episode where uh, Rick turns into a pickle. Yeah, and he does it to a... And, like, but he, like, does it to avoid therapy? Like, that's... What an amazing reason to turn into a pickle and kill a bunch of Russian <laughs> secret agents. While using a uh, cockroach just, body? Like, the whole so thing. Great. It just has these uh, multi-layers of... Of insanity that I really appreciate. Yeah, and you know, it's 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 a workshop in like how to write a TV show that 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 can stay fresh and keep going. Like you can sit down and like analyze those episodes because it's written so analytically, thanks to Dan Harmon's influence. You know, with his version of the you know hero with a thousand faces, Joseph Campbell story circle. Like that's how he writes his episodes, and and you can sit down and like follow along the map and see where it all goes and see how they do it. Um, I wrote a, a Rick and Morty spec for, to like use for like packets. If if someone's gonna watch regular TV, I think that's probably one of the best shows that uh, they could watch. All right. Well, where can everybody find you? I know that you mentioned some upcoming shows, but I know that you're on Twitter and on Medium. So plug away, my friend. Yeah. Um, I would love to point people toward my Medium account just because that's that's where I'm doing, I think, my most interesting stuff. doesn't always work, but I love putting it up there. Medium.com slash at Frankie G Baby. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm on most platforms as Frankie G Baby. <laughs> it's on there. It sticks. I just love your, your handles remember because it, so it's I, so I, I use not it all your over personality. The place. You're like, hey, it's me, Frankie G. Like, that's not who you are, but it cracks me Frankie up. Frankie G Baby. <laughs> My handle is an announcement, yes. <laughs> um, any upcoming shows? Um, I'm competing at the... <laughs> if this airs before the end of September, uh, you can catch me competing in the Inner Sanctum Sketch Cage match. I think it's called the Sketch Showdown. Um, with my indie team <laughs> that I just formed out of a class. Uh, yeah, so come on the 29th and vote for me. Do it, Frankie G, baby. If you're in L.A. <laughs> Frankie G, baby. Oh, thank you so much, awesome. Frankie. Thank you, Margos. This this was really fun to do, and I can't wait to hear the, the, the final product. I'm excited for you to hear it. I hope that it does your script justice, because I really enjoyed reading it. Oh, thank you. I think it'll be great. And now, back to the show. Training montage! Can you hear me knocking by the Rolling Stones the song played for this montage because we don't have to actually try to acquire the rights or probably run this past Scorsese. So here we go. Scene A. Young coach walks down the sideline observing pairs of players practicing rugby style tackles. They're a bit sloppy. Young coach shakes his head and sighs. Scene B. Young coach doing speed letter exercises alongside his players. One of the heftier boys stumbles. Young coach helps him up, pats him on the shoulder, then they get back to formation. Scene C. Young coach observing some passing drills. It's clear that Guillermo is the best they've got. Scene D. All the walleyes lining up for some Gatorade. Young coach is standing in front of a chart with some graphs titled Hydration and You. He points excitedly to it while giving some kind of lecture to the passing players. Dauber is listening intently and it looks like his mind is really getting blown. He applauds. Scene E. More tackling drills. They're getting much cleaner and tighter. Young coach nods and sighs a good sigh. Scene F, shot of old coach talking angrily with a creepy men in black slash CIA slash cigarette smoking man type character. We can see the walleyes running some plays in the background. The shady suit man walks away and old coach shakes his head. Scene G, young coach and Dauber handing out real football gear to enthusiastic walleyes. Scene H, players holding their new helmets, listening to a lecture from young coach who's standing in front of another chart titled Helmet Use and You. Dauber's mind is blown again, and he applauds. Again. Scene I. Young coach taking a rugby tackle from Tommy again, only this time Tommy's in football gear. He gives a thumbs up from the ground. The song fades out, and we dissolve to interior walleye locker room evening. The players are in their street clothes, heading home for the day. Young coach is by the door, seeing them off as they file out. Great job, Kwiatowski. You're really shaping up, Carver. A excellent hydration, Navarez. Carl's the last one to file out. Coach, I just want to thank you for these past two weeks. We were all pretty prepared for a really bizarre, crappy season. And now? Not crappy, but if our first team's games against the only mixed-gender D1 team in the country, 
I expect it's still going to be pretty bizarre. Well, bizarre football is better than crappy football. I'll take it. Carl leaves, young coach yawns, and heads into the office. Interior, MJCC coaching office, evening. Old coach is napping, with his feet up on the desk. Young coach grins. Finish analyzing the game tape, huh? Old coach doesn't stir or even open his eyes. Tape? What's tape? Some kind of old people's DVD? That was going great until you referenced another outdated video format. Old coach opens his eyes and gets his feet off the desk. Luther would have laughed. Yeah, because he was even older than you, Pop. Hard to imagine. Young coach takes a seat at his desk. The footage? I watched it. I watched it. What'd you think? Their special teams really are killer. Lots of trick plays, more than you'd expect to work at the collegiate level. And I suspect our boys will be a little worried about hurting those gals, seeing as they're gals and all. Right. Benevolent sexism. I hadn't thought about that. But maybe, since we're training to hit them smarter, not harder, they won't be so reluctant. I hope you're right. I know I sure as hell wouldn't have wanted to spear a young lady. And I certainly don't want to picture you doing so. Glad to see your sense of humor's back in full swing. Hey, I learned from the best jerk I know. All right, all right. Can we go home? We've got two days off until the big game. I've got a lot of napping to do. Just one more question. Is it, should we go home? Because you know my answer already. No. That weirdo in the suit, who was it? That guy? He's from the Alumni Association. Real a-hole. The Minneapolis Junior Community College has an Alumni Association? What? People with real money always find a way to use their money to interfere in everything, no matter how small. And people with real money are always creepy weirdos, son. Don't worry about them, though. I'm used to dealing with people like them. You just keep the team running. You sure? He was really, really creepy. Eh, I've met creepier rich folks. On a riverboat, in fact. On a... I'm dying to know about this river story, Pop. And I'll literally be dying if I don't get some sleep. With a dodge. I'll go get the car. Young coach gets up to head out. I don't want to get mushy, but... Thank you for guiding me through these past two weeks. And I don't want to get all mushy, so I won't say you're welcome. Young coach rolls his eyes and ducks out to get to the car. Cut to exterior MJCC football field morning. A rooster crows. Classic. We frame up on a marching band blaring out the MJCC fight song. The camera comes up from their feet, pulls out to see the band, and flies over to the sideline where the walleyes are getting a last-minute pep talk. The stands are surprisingly full. <clears throat> All right, walleyes. Uh, this is our first test as a team. I know it's been a lot of setup, and we've had to figure things out on the fly. No, it's been fun. Relearning football's real easy. Come on, don't interrupt the inspirational speech. Old coach gives a thumbs up to young coach. It's been tough, but you guys have worked harder than any team I've ever coached before. We're going to kick those girls' asses, right, young coach? The players cheer. Okay, well, right attitude, wrong wording. Equality is good, threats are not. How about, let's kick ass gender blindly? How about, go football? Go football. Go football. Go football. Remember... Lead with the shoulder. Wrap the legs. Don't worry, coach. We've got this. This last part gets real visual. Perfect podcast material. I agree. The walleyes strap their helmets on. Zargoza, Peterson, and Kelly head on field for the coin toss. Two fellas, plus the female special teams captain, come out for St. Prince. Their uniforms are sumptuous and purple. A ref flips the coin up. Carl calls tails. It lands. Tails. Quick beat. Then, Rocky-style, game montage! It's more abstract than the training montage. Interweaving shots of passes, tackles, etc. The scoreboard floats by semi-transparently. The walleyes take the lead. The purple ones regain it. They switch off and on. Should definitely cut to each side's coaches yelling in frustration and or happiness. Definitely want a quick shot of old coach whispering something to Dauber, who then zips up his fly. So corny. So classic. Time lapse to the fourth quarter with eight seconds left. We drop out of the montage, just like the last round of the Rocky fight. The walleyes are down by four. That means they need a touchdown or it's all over. But it's the purple one's ball. And they're at the 10. 
Their QB calls for a hike, but flubs the snap. Fumble. Tommy Kelly nimbly gets to it first, and he's off running, running, running. Forrest Gump wishes he had this kind of foot speed. Nobody seems to be able to catch him. Kelly crossed over half the field now. He's 60 yards from the goal line. It looks like he's going to pull out a miracle. But Jenda Hadricks, the swift wide receiver, mentioned all the way back on page 18, I think? She's catching up right on his heels. He's less than 10 yards from the goal line. And whoop! Hadricks takes him down with a perfectly executed rugby tackle. Leads with the shoulder, wraps, pulls him to the turf. Game fucking over. The crowd goes nuts. What a nail biter. What an unexpected finish. In the VIP area, a cadre of creepy suited alumni stand in unison, not approvingly, and exit the stadium. Hadricks gets up and looms over our bewildered Kelly. Good game. Better luck next time, slowpoke. She runs off and joins the big celebratory crowd of her hollering teammates. Kelly remains on the ground, dumbfounded, as the walleyes rush over to him. You got so close, man. That was great. Thanks, Guillermo. You went down like an ad-at man. Thanks, Dauber. Young Coach lends down a hand and helps Tommy up. I'm sorry, Young Coach. I... You gave 110%. There's nothing to be sorry for. That wide receiver is a speed demon. And a girl. Young Coach shoots a sharp look. Old Coach gets flustered. Ah, uh, a speed demon who happens to be a girl? Seems like we've got a long way to go. In every sense of the word. We definitely do. But, hey, fellas, you walked onto this team two weeks ago. We're an underfunded junior community college. The only junior community college in the country, no less. Them? They're a top-flight Division I private school, and you gave them a run for their damn money. Hold your heads high, walleyes. We proved today we're the future of football. Because if the wealthiest school in the state is stealing our tactics, that means we're on the right track. I promise you, at the end of this season, yes, at the end of this very season, We'll get a rematch against the St. Prince Purple ones. And I'd bet a riverboat's worth of money that next time, we win. The players look to one another. I think I finally feel inspired, young coach. Yeah, me too. Background players add, same. I was inspired a little before, but now I'm really inspired. Same, 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 same. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I think this is going to be a good year. Now, hit those showers. And if you're going to party hardy tonight... Old coach raises his eyebrow. I'd rather not know about it. Old coach raises both eyebrows and nods. But don't drink and drive. I I can give you cab numbers. All players groan. We've got lift, young coach. The players laugh and head off field to shower up and party responsibly. Even I knew about lift. No, I know about lift. I just resent their exploitation of the worker. Old coach claps young coach on the shoulder. I'm glad you're with me again, TD. Even with the socialism. You're not upset about the loss? Oh, hell. Come on. Like you said. How was that ragtag bunch of walk-ons supposed to beat a D1 school? Especially since they've been spying on our training from the start. You knew? He gasped. You sure do like sneaking up on people. It's not very sneaky if I announce myself every time. Young Coach opens his mouth to retort, but realizes she's right. I just wanted to come say, good game, Coach. Well, coaches. She extends her hand. Old coach takes one and shakes, but young coach holds back. How'd you know our training plan? You, you, you didn't put a camera in Dauber's brain. She grabs his hand for him and shakes it. No way. Got no use for blank tape. But it does look like you gotta step things up. Just because you're at a fifth-rate school doesn't mean you can be a fifth-rate coach. She winks and heads off towards her team's locker room. She's got you there, TD. You ready to rise to the challenge? Off at the sideline, the players watch Dauber as he pours out the Gatorade on the ground instead of on anyone. They all laugh and cheer dumb old Dauber on. Yeah, I think I am. If not, the hell would Dauber do with himself? Coaches old and young share a laugh and wrap an arm around each other's shoulder. As they walk off into the sunset, we freeze frame and then fade to black. End credits. Okay, that's the whole thing. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope... It made you laugh. Hope it made you think. I hope it made you want to watch reruns of Coach, which I don't know where you can get those, but I assume like YouTube or something. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please like and subscribe to this iTunes page. Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, you do that. You do that. And then you also can find us on Facebook and on SoundCloud at Do You Get Canceled Here Often. And 
I hope you come back. We'll probably be doing this once every two weeks. And I think the next episode, which is a very timely, I would tell you, super timely Halloween episode. Um, And I hope you come back. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Today's episode was written by Frankie Griffin. It was produced, narrated, and hosted by me, Margot Poupard. Edited by Real Life Wizard, Eric Katzlaris. TD, a.k.a. Young Coach, Carl Peterson, and Guillermo Zaragoza was all voiced by the incomparable Griffin Taylor. Hayden Fox, a.k.a. Old Coach, was voiced by Brian Howard. Jay Duber was voiced by Moose Wariwoda. Tommy Kelly was voiced by Kyle Dolan. Sports Center hosts were voiced by myself and Sean Barty. Jess Watkins and Gender Hadricks was voiced by Angelica Foster. Theme song was written by Sean Barty. And thank you for the logo, Marianne Yap. Yeah.